Good evening. Welcome to the Western Standards, the Pipeline. I'm Corey Morgan. This is our weekly panel show where we cover the top or most interesting or sometimes most controversial news stories coming across the Western Standard of the week and dissect them and do the thinking so you guys don't have to. Our publisher, Derek Feldebrand, is usually in this seat, but he's indisposed today. So we have, for the first time in a while in the pipeline, our news editor, Dave Naylor. How's it going, Dave? Always glad to class up the joint here. Well, uh, yeah, you're, you're in my, my I'm seat. I'm in your it's seat, still yeah. Sort of I know, it doesn't feel right. There, but, uh, doesn't feel right. I'll get over it, I guess. And our opinion editor, Nigel Hannaford, there to, to add uh, new Same old seat, same old ideas. Yes, yes. Nothing, so we've got one consistency yeah, here anyway, right. so... Lots to cover today. we got a good number of stories, but I'll start with paying our bills, of course, and the important parts. And uh, not only is his membership very important to us, and we really appreciate you guys who have signed up for that $9.99 a month or $100 a year, get past the paywalls, prevent us from ever having to beg and grovel for government dollars. Take out a subscription, guys. That's how we stay independent. And uh, if you have already, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. As well, we have some sponsors and advertisers that are fantastic. And the, the one for this show is the Canadian Shooting Sports Association, usually abbreviated CSSA. If you own firearms, you enjoy firearms, you just want to stand up for people's rights and abilities to own those firearms, you've got to be a member of the CSSA, guys. It's a fantastic organization. Lots of resources for you, whether it's sports shooting, hunting, collecting, whatever. It's your business. It's your property. But you got to protect your property, and the CSSA is there to help you do that. Check out their site. It's cssa-cila. No. cssa-cila.org. Or, of course, just Google Canadian Shooting Sports Association, and you'll find them, and they will a worthwhile investment in yourself. All these years we've been doing this. That's the very first time you've messed up. The, I was always uh, correcting. Derek, always it's perfect. the seat. It it's the seat. The it's seat. haunted. Okay, I've got it. People <laughs> will find it. Darn it. Uh, Bernard will be ticked off at me now. Yes. Okay, so, well, let's start with a, a self-serving story and uh, what's been topping our news. But, I mean, it really is quite serious and just seems to be keep evolving how the liberals uh, killed the news. Uh, Dave, what do we got going on now? Oh, it's just craziness in Ottawa, as usual. Uh, uh, Meta and Google are threatening or threatening to pull their Canadian news links out. Uh, in retaliation today, Pablo Fernandez, our uh, uh, heritage minister, got up and huffed and puffed and blew his cheeks out and said the government will no longer spend money advertising uh, on Facebook or Google to tell us what a wonderful job they're doing. I don't know how we're going to survive without them, but uh, that's to be about a $10 million uh, hit that the government uh, can spend elsewhere. That, to make a point, to a company with a market capitalization of $759 billion U.S. So I guess it was uh, the price of optics and uh, so on. But I, I think the, uh, the really difficult thing there is that Mr. Rodriguez is saying that these, he, he, he calls them giant tech giants. It's like sort of some uh, Jack and the Beanstalk fairy tale language coming out here, which is designed to make people look at these uh, companies in a, in a way that they very much dislike. But these were the companies, darn it. These were the companies that prevented us and all other news media from doing anything but accept the government line 
all during the COVID crisis. If we were trying to publish something that sort of said, well, maybe vaccines are this or vaccines are that, or maybe we should have a, oh, that's not the government line, locked. So how quickly things change if you're a, a tech giant. One minute you're a, an enforcement arm of the government, and now you are an irresponsible, greedy, reckless uh, uh, snatcher of pennies from the eyes of the dead. And you need to have the government uh, remind you that you have to obey Canadian laws. Well, bless my soul, you know, if a fellow manages to keep his income just under the threshold of the Revenue Canada and you don't pay tax, you're not breaking any laws. And if these guys decide to follow through with what they've threatened and not provide links to Canadian newspapers, they won't be breaking any laws. No, I mean, otherwise the alternative is essentially forcing them to provide a service, yeah. saying you must do this as part of your and, business. And by the way, you must pay for it as well. Yeah, you pay yeah. to provide this. It's just absurd. The thing is a total a total disaster. And uh, I actually think that maybe the, this has gone out of control. This is not quite how the Liberals thought that this was No, they, they thought they were going to save the news industry and instead they could kill it, yep. you know, because uh, that's how important the links are to... Uh, uh, to many producers, you know, especially the mainstream media, they're cutting off the nose to spite their face here. I mean, where do they think they're getting all their readers online from? It's Facebook. Of course it is. No, you very know, very few people will get on and say, I'm going to directly type the URL of my preferred news organization. They'll go to their social media platform, and if they see something of interest come by, they'll go through to it. It's, it's definitely going to dramatically reduce traffic to every organization. Well, that's the thing. It's not going to be on a social media platform. <clears throat> If it's Canadian news, you'd be able to get American news, yeah. or so I understand. And who knows, in six months that could change as well. But right now, my understanding of, of what the bill calls for mm -hmm. is that uh, that Meta and uh, Google, Meta will not carry Canadian news. Google won't direct you to it. And so it will be Canadian news that you can't get. You know, it's uh, Mr. Trudeau will make a statement uh, in, in Ottawa and nobody will hear about it because you can't find it on the internet. All right? Well, you'll have to seek it out. You'll it? have to go and buy a newspaper or you're going to have to turn on that dreadful, you know, news program that uh, CBC puts out. Well, or get a subscription to the Western Standard. That's right. Get yeah, on the email that's list. what you need to do. And this is a good time, actually, and I've been doing it. Remind people, do that. Your favorite news outlets, particularly this one, to get on the email list, because then you'll keep up with things. Whatever goes on with this battle, you'll still see things as they come. I mean, some of the irony out of this whole thing was, uh, it sounds like, you know, Meta and Google are determining <coughs> who they're going to block based by who would have been a qualified media organization, which is a large, large list. Uh, but one, ironically of it all, I think is it was a rebel because the government said, you are not a media organization. They've said it uh, countless, countless times, you are not a media organization. So it could turn out that the social media giants will block every single news organization except the one that the government loathes the absolute most because the government itself said they aren't a media organization. <laughs> and wouldn't that be ironic? Yeah, that would be hilarious. Yeah, it certainly would. But I'm sure Ezra's contemplating that in Paris, <laughs> even as the city burns, you know. I don't do it. It'll be all right when he gets back. <laughs> when, when I came into the news today, it, it does, the term I saw online for that too was, was flailing. I, I saw it was on TV. Rodriguez was there. He was making his announcement. People were, you know, pundits or others, 
they don't know what to do. I mean, their bluff's been called. As, as you pointed out, I looked it up just with the, the percentage of Canadian media or Canadian advertising on Facebook with what if the government pulls away amounts to about 0.39% of their Canadian advertising revenue. Like, they don't have them over a barrel here. No. No, they've got no bargaining position whatsoever. You know, Facebook and Google can just sit back and hope they cave. I mean, could you see? Or even if they even if they don't care, they don't care, right? And this is a this is going to be a test ground, uh, not only for Canada but for when they do the same thing in the United States, the European Union. Uh, those are the next battles. Yeah. So you sure as hell won't see Facebook uh, uh, capitulate in Canada. Corey, I do want to make one point, and uh, 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 just because we happen to be on the side of Meta and Google at this point on this very issue because they are also our paper boys, <clears throat> doesn't mean that we think they're always the good guys. No. They did, as I said a moment ago, they did operate as an arm of the government willingly. Like these, these people were keen. They had trolls out there looking for anything that uh, ought to be interrupted because it was misinformation or disinformation. People couldn't have a voice. Perfectly reasonable people couldn't have a voice. And so that, that was bad. And by the way, it is still an awful creepy thing when you and I talk about dog food because we both got dogs. And five minutes later, <laughs> all the ads start popping up in our feed, you know, for, for some special dog food or other. That is that, I don't like that, you know. No, something going on for <laughs> something sure. Something is going on. And we all, have, I think pretty now, pretty much everybody now has got a story like that. Well, and that is part of where I think maybe the government has some, it feels they have something. I mean, these are the large, you know, uh, mega corporations. They point to those huge dollars. They use those terms, those two words that drive me bananas whenever you see it. Fair share. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what would uh, be fair? So they say that they're bringing in this sort of gross revenue every year and they aren't paying their fair share but do you think in desperation they won't back off on the bill they might get more punitive and say well we're going to do a windfall tax that's one of their favorite little terms they like using too you made too much and we're just gonna reach in and, and take it um, what did you put it beyond them i mean that would certainly escalate the battle to a whole new level but uh, you never know what the liberals right i mean who knows what they're planning uh you know Maybe in a you know there's rumors of a cabinet shuffle coming up. Uh, maybe Rodriguez uh, gets the boot and some fresh eyes come in and take a look at it. Uh, you know, you just you just don't know, do you? Uh, you know, I think the most uh, the freshest eyes that are likely to look at this thing would be a you know a conservative government whenever the next election comes around, whether it's in October of 2025. Um, I, I did check up just to see what the party line was and. Uh, uh, Rachel Harder, the Lethbridge MP, she's actually a shadow cabinet minister. And Rachel Harder, well, she's Rachel Thomas now, she got married. Rachel Thomas, the shadow heritage minister, is saying that they would uh, replace Bill C-18 if they were, if they were elected in uh, the next election. So that's a campaign promise early from the... Is that a promise to replace or to repeal? She used the word replace. Mm -hmm. And since you mention it, and this will be in the editorial that I wrote about this, which is going out in approximately, oh, it's already out, isn't it? Uh, 
So it's going to be, um, I would much prefer that they destroy the thing and grind it up into small pieces mm -hmm. rather than replace it. But replace, at least they're going to look at it. Well, I mean, it's, it's something positive to look forward to. It's just that the thing to remind people, liberal supporters or whatnot, it's not, even if it feels like it, they will not be in power forever. And do you want the next government to have this ability to control media as well? Because they might not uh, let go of that power as quickly as they say. No, I don't think they will. Because don't forget, we're talking here about Bill C-18. But there's also Bill C-11, which gives the, uh, gives the CRTC which is an arm of government, which is an enforcement arm of government, the power to limit what Canadians can post on the, on the internet. So this is actually a, a much bigger package just than the, the C-18 that we're talking about today, just purely to do with the supposed remuneration of, of, uh, of Canadian newspapers and TV and radio for what goes out on the social media. There's a much bigger issue here. I remember when this was happening in Australia, and, and sort of one of the big arguments against Google and, and Facebook was they're, they're putting people's lives in danger, all right, because of potential natural disasters or a revolution by the, by the kangaroos. Now, I was thinking about it this week when the massive tornado hit Disbury. You know, how without social media, without news on social media, how are you going to warn people? You know, I mean, how are you going to get them into their basements? How are you going to... To, to, to cover the storm. You know, I don't think anybody's been asking those type of questions. No, I mean, it's not like so many people are, I mean, this is not a knock on the radio industry. I've got friends there, but uh, I mean, it's not like people are sitting tuned into the radio where they're likely to hear a warning. Yeah. The most you're going to get is a sort of beep on one of these things here. And then you uh, want to Google storm, storm, Disbury tornado, and yeah. you blank. I'd like yeah. to think some of these, these but you know the social media platforms would make exceptions. I mean, that's the sort of thing you can. You can set something at a level. Okay, we're gonna. This is an emergency. We will put these links through. Uh, if it's another press release from Justin Trudeau, yeah, good luck finding that thing. But you know, and when the fires are burning, I would think. I would hope they would. I guess it remains to be seen. What a bizarre, ugly mm -hmm. mess this whole thing's turned into. Well, speaking of bizarre, weird messes, let's get onto our national file as well. So. The carbon tax and the second carbon tax and Quebec. Ottawa is given Quebec uh, special status uh, on top of their existing special status, which is... Yeah, well, once again, uh, good work from our friends at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. They, they delve into all these figures, so you and I don't have to because we wouldn't understand them. But the, yeah, Quebec pays less uh, carbon tax than anybody else in the country. Uh, Ten cents per liter right now, as opposed to 14% or 14 cents, uh, where you and I fill up, Corey. So, uh, you know, you just wonder why, you know, why, why a sweetheart deal for, for Quebec? And if, if Quebec can get it, why not? The, why is the rest of Canada subsidizing it? Well, not that I have a, a business of, of explaining what the Quebec government does and what their point of view is, but they would tell you that they were smart and 10 years ago entered into a commercial arrangement with California whereby they would trade carbon credits. So they are still working under that and it works out that that's the price of on, on, the, on the market. They're, that's what works. Now, that's what they say. And I, again, I have a feeling that they're being slightly disingenuous. There's probably a little more to it than that. But it doesn't alter the fact that the, the federal government is 
if it was Alberta or Saskatchewan or even BC that had entered into some kind of a commercial arrangement with California or any other state to trade carbon emissions and it worked out that we were only paying 10 cents when Ontario was paying 14, something would be done to make Absolutely. sure that we were averaged up. Pay and our fair that is, share. Pay our fair <laughs> share. And uh, as, as of this moment, I have not heard any, uh, any uh, plans coming out of Ottawa to make sure that Quebec pays the same as everybody else. Now, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't be wagering too much on a plan coming. And I certainly wouldn't be holding my breath. No. So you're, you're right, Dave. It's a, it's a racket. The, the favoritism for Quebec, I mean, we know why. You know, we talk around it. The bottom line is it, that's the only way to buy their electoral love, or at least mm -hmm. that's the way every government feels is the only way to do it. Whether it's equalization, whether it's contracts, whether you name it, Quebec always has a special deal. I mean, even the seats in the House of Commons now, they, apparently their population change doesn't even apply to them any longer. This is yeah, they, they uh, complained to high heaven when they were going to take a, a seat away from them in, uh, in Parliament because they, the population doesn't support it anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, they weren't happy about that, really. It just uh, causes Canadians just to roll their eyes, but they, I think people have just given up on being upset about it anymore. You know, I think you're right. Uh, and this is actually the tragedy of Canadian life at the moment is that there are there are so many things that calls you, especially as a Western Canadian, but let's not forget there are people who think straight in Ontario, maybe just not enough of them, but, uh, uh, you know, as a Canadian, there are so many things that cause you to roll your eyes that you do give up. And what is it you're giving up on? It's giving up on being angry at things that aren't right and not caring about what? About your country. This was a very muted Canada day through which we have just come. Uh, it, it is actually sad that what should be a day of, of uh, celebration is now muted. Um, I always used to think that it was symbolic that when they did the fly past on, uh, over Parliament Hill for, Can for Canada Day, it was always a troop of non-combatant aircraft, the tutors. Oh, they're wonderful. The Snowbirds are a wonderful display team, but they're not, a, they're not a fighting unit exactly. That's how we chose to portray ourselves when what we might have done would have been have uh, you know, a squadron of CF-18s come over and just remind people that this is a strong country. Uh, it, a, has, it has force and power. Now, I don't want to sort of get sidetracked on that completely because that's just airplanes on a special day, but it's symbolic of how this government plays down everything that Canadians used to take pride in. And actively try and change our history. And actively try and change our history, our passports, and all the symbiology. I mean, taking somebody like Terry Fox out of the passport, what is the message there, for heaven's sake? He's a good guy. <laughs> you know, he He's had a guts. Hero. Yeah. He, was a, he was a legitimate hero. So that's not suitable anymore? We're not supposed to be proud of anything any longer. I mean, not even just one day of the year, you know. And we've been seeing that, I think, particularly so since the the... the 
the situation in Kamloops with the anomalies found in the residential school segment. They've, they've really pushed that, you know, that's where Canada Day should be, as you said, muted. It should be a day where we, uh, you know, introspection as to how nasty we are, our forefathers have been and, and all the terrible things. That, and it's just not, it's not right. We have so many other days of observance of all the things that have gone wrong. Can we not have one? Yeah. To just celebrate the things we get along on, the, the things that we share, and, and more so every year. I mean, you know, the fireworks battle this year. Uh, it's just, it, it's the death of a thousand cuts, but they, they they feel that we should be staring at our shoes on Canada Day, not celebrating it. And if you were on Parliament Hill, uh, Canada Day, you got to hear the Chinese national anthem, right? Uh, sung, sung there. I mean, it's... It's, well, it's a bizarre world for sure. I suppose you can't control a crowd uh, if they suddenly break out into this uh, into this song. But what we didn't hear was a word of condemnation no. from anybody within the federal government. I don't know. I, I went looking for it on the internet and I couldn't <laughs> find it. Maybe the, maybe maybe the, the hand suppressed. has come down already on <laughs> Canadian news. But I didn't hear anybody, like for example a heritage minister, Getting out there and saying, "Well, listen, uh, that was a—that's something that we're going to be uh, talking to some people about. That's not supposed to happen. You want to sing on Canada Day? You want to sing on Parliament Hill? We've got a great song for you. It's called Oh Canada.'" Well, that's segueing us a little into what we'll go into next. And I, before I go fully into that, just another thing that that ties into it. I mean, it's hitting the news as well. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Okay, it's an American company, but they put out their things observing Canada Day too, and they've jumped on the woke bandwagon and we're talking about Canada Day and stolen land. Like, again, wow, we got a foreign ice cream company chiding us on our one day of the year. And it's already started a boycott. Uh, you know, people people saw that and were, were rightly outraged by it. Uh, they don't even think they should do that. Why delve into that? Why, where were you? They did the same thing in uh, for July the 4th with your American uh, customers, like but uh, it's, you know, it's, to me, I just don't understand the marketing that's going on by these big companies these days, Ben and Jerry's, uh, the Budweiser, uh, Mulvaney fiasco. Uh, what are they thinking, Target, well, you know? Uh, you know, Dave, I, I don't claim to understand it, but I did hear one anecdote that shone a bit of light uh, in, in one dark corner. Now, I can't, I can't mention the names because it, it was a private conversation, but it was a national consulting company. You would have heard of it. And the principles fit into our demographic, old guys, white guys, you know, traditional guys, the kind who go, for, go out on Canada Day and have a few beers and watch the fireworks and just enjoy it. And it was their younger generation of employees who came to them and said, we got to do something for Pride Month. And they said, why? Oh, well, we must. We've got to, we've got to be part of the scene. So, uh, and, and they didn't know what to say, apparently. And so they put out some stupid thing for uh, Pride Month. Now, uh, that, I think, is what we are seeing is the full fruition of the long march through the institutions that has been undertaken by the progressive left. These are the people who believe in critical race theory and the, the folks who uh, basically own and operate the victim industry 
And they started in the universities and they moved into the teaching colleges and the teachers who graduated from the teaching colleges moved into the schools. And eventually they have, over a period of about 50 years, it's not called a long march for nothing, didn't happen overnight. But now you have got a broad consensus on a range of issues in people under 40 who are now moving into uh, spots where they can make decisions such that you can have a well-established company that's been around for a long time with a group of people inside who are now in junior and mid-management positions say, well, you know, we think that we ought to do something about this. And these guys at the top don't know what to say. They've, they've, they've not been tracking this. They're very good at their business, but they're not monitoring the culture. They don't have their finger on the pulse of this, of this stuff. You know, there's a very good article. I'm going to shamelessly plug Mark Milkey's book here for a second, The 1867 Project. There is an excellent chapter in there by a Queen's University professor by the name of Bruce Party. Lays all this out in full. It's not a long read. Um, in fact, we actually, um, I do believe that we, uh, we ran it in its entirety here. Uh, but in any case, that's what's going on. And it's a younger generation coming along and they just think this is the normal thing to do, the right thing to do? First of all, who are you calling old? Uh, and, but I do agree with you. <laughs> I do agree with you. I mean, you look at all the stuff thrown at, uh, at young school kids these days, you know, Pride Month, uh, a pronoun, sexual identity, gender. You know, by the time they get to grade six, they have to be confused about what they are, right? They just have to be because they're, they're just exposed to it every, yeah. you know, Every every day in class, and if they, too, if they seem too certain, they'll be scolded for it. Absolutely, they will. Yeah, uh, it's catching up with us, but I mean, it, it's just backfiring in some of these companies too, which has been interesting to me. Well, it cost so, Budweiser billions and billions oh, and billions. And like I mentioned, Target too. I mean, you know, people there just want to get cheap consumer goods, and they didn't want children's rainbow clothing. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with it, it just wasn't a good marketing decision. Well, it wasn't. So why are Ben and Jerry's jumping on it? Yeah, they're a little smaller though, and they do they're known as a lefty kind of activist company. They always have been. But, yeah, but, do, but don't you know, know, why are they jumping in leftist companies feet. want to make money. They, yeah. they care about the bottom line. I mean Starbucks was started by a bunch of hippies as far as I heard. And well, now, yeah. you know, they're the guys <coughs> who invented the invented the five dollar cup of coffee. Well, some people are delusional too, though. I mean, I, I did some of the feedback I got on the ESG piece I wrote, which is kind of about that, yes. that sort of thing. And, I wrote in it. I said, you know, the goal of a corporation is to make money. That's it. That's their role. If I invest my pension or whatever, that's what I want them to do. Some people were furious with me. Oh, do you think they should just see heartless, soulless things for generating money? Yes. Yes. Like, like there's activist groups, there's churches, there's every other sort of thing where you can go out and bleed your heart all over the sidewalk. But for my pension, I just want to make money. That's all. Don't go into that extra stuff. But they were furious with me for even saying that. And, they're, and they, they claim, oh, I'll invest based on ESG scores. Well, good for you. I, I doubt it. I don't believe it for a second. If your pension fund starts losing money, you're going to demand change. Yeah. This is what I don't understand, Ben and Jerry. Were those two guys in a cave for the last six months? Did they not hear what happened to Budweiser and Target? And, you know, okay, if you want to maybe launch a, uh, indigenous aware camp, an Indigenous Awareness Campaign, okay, do it. Don't do it on Canada Day, though. Don't do it on Independence Day in the United States. You're just going to piss off your market, or a lot of your market, anyways. 
So speaking of symbols of a nation, I guess, or things that, you know, unify, celebrate, of course, a national anthem. That's uh, something every country has. It tends to be shared. Sometimes they change, but uh, it looks like we've got a, a perhaps a movement afoot to change Canada's national anthem yet again. And it sounds a lot like uh, what we've been talking about already. Yeah, that's our, our Prime Minister again on Canada Day uh, saying he would be open to, to changing some lyrics. Now, we have had changes in the past Past decade or so, uh, a lot of them, a lot of people don't like them. Though a lot of you know, you go to a hockey game, you still see most of the crowd singing the old stuff and uh, and whatnot. But uh, again, uh, another liberal policy coming down the pipe uh, to try and change who we are. Well, and this change that's proposed in particular is is more divisive, I think, than even talking about okay, our sons command, whether it's a, a excluding women or whatnot. But this. I mean, the, the change proposed is changing it to our home on native land. I, I could see this is getting us into the legal soup if we start re referring to the country as such. I, the, 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 this mythology, again, back to the stolen land thing and staring at your feet and shame and apologies. And I'm sick to death of it. I'm sick of it. It's an interesting conflict of ideas when, on the one hand, uh, the, the the federal government is clearly sympathetic to this idea, but at the same time, they're bringing more land thieves in every year. You know, what what is the target now? 500,000? Immigration? Uh, like, put your, put your policies together. If you, if you think that this is a bad thing, well, maybe at least pause, uh, pause what you're doing over here while you get this straight over here. It's a... It, well, and the message from the intolerant to any new Canadians, new immigrants of the past was always the go back where you came from, you know, and, but this is a version of, and we've seen a lot of that where everybody who's non-indigenous, it doesn't matter if it's four generations down. I mean, that's the height of racism, but basically saying you don't belong here. You, you, and they don't say your ancestors anymore. They say you stole this land. You should be, you know, again, where am I supposed to go back to that? You know, it's baloney, but talk about divisive and entrenching that intolerant mm -hmm. point of view. And to that that's what we're getting to is, uh, I mean, could you imagine if it was 50 years ago and we wanted to change it to our home on white man's land? Because that's kind of what they're saying. It's uh, the home on this particular race's land. And, and, but he's considering it. Yeah. Uh, well, he says he wants to hear from lots of Canadians. So I'm sure he will. I'm, I'm sure he'll only listen to the ones he wants to hear from, but uh, uh, maybe it's time that people do actually stop being complacent, stop being against, uh, stop, we were talking just now about you, you hear so much, you, you get sort of fed up with it, you don't want to even bother listening anymore. Well, maybe this is one that if you care about it, then you should say something, do yeah. something. Uh, the land of uh, both of our births uh, just changed the words in their national anthem last year. From king to queen, or from no. queen to king. One word, one word. Too controversial. Though. But yeah, no controversy whatsoever. No. But uh, yeah, well, the things that bind us, and we seem to uh, just undercut our own feet. Uh, getting on to another tradition that's coming up, and again, there's some people who have problems with that one as well, but I think most in Calgary celebrate it, but our Calgary stampede is coming up here. Yahoo. 
Oh, such an enthusiasm. Come on, you're going to be cosplaying next week. Corey, I've been covering the Stampede now for uh, like four four decades. Uh, It's hard for me to get excited anymore, but I know people are. A young reporter from uh, out east, Jonathan, he's looking forward to trying uh, uh, prairie oysters for the first time. Uh, We'll see uh, see how that goes. Uh, You know, you always know if you're if you're a true Calgarian, you get out of town for for these two weeks. Uh, if you like fun and having parties and uh, uh, paying a lot of money for a corn dog, then yeah, it's a great time. Uh, parade's always great. Uh, so yeah, I'm just not a stampede guy, but uh, you know, don't don't take my word for it. It's uh, if you haven't been there, it's certainly fun, uh, certainly eye opening for the for for the first time visitors, but. Uh, I would be a 40th time visitor, so I know where every mini donut store is. I know where every washroom is. You know, it's it's not for me personally, but I know others that love it. I'll tell you what. I am for anything that gives people a chance to blow off some steam, get out, and have some fun. I understand everything you said, and as, as I say, my wife and I are out of town on a wedding anniversary, so I'm not going to be there to live my own words. One of the one of the sad things about living in this country at the moment are the things that we have just been talking about. Everything is designed to be serious, to make you think about who you are and where you came from and whether your great-great-grandfather should have ever got on the boat. Uh, we, we overthink stuff in Canada, and it's by design. It's deliberate. It's a political ploy. People derive political power from heaping guilt upon us. Well, I say let's have a little less guilt and a hell of a lot more fun. Go drink a few beers. Don't drive when you're, drink, when you're drinking, but go out, have fun, and a, a good time at this Calgary Stampede. It's a I guess great I'm, celebration. I guess I'm just an old curmudgeon. Well, <laughs> well I guess you are. In which case, that makes me an endangered species. Mm-hmm. Happy it? anniversary, by the way. Oh, to, thank you very much. Uh, you and Judy, 20 well good done. Years. 20, what, 20 wonderful years. 20 good years for Judy, myself. But just giving that warning, too, because part of the fun, I mean, Calgary, the state is kind of unique. You know, there's festivals and cities all over the place. And there's not many, though, where the whole city kind of gets up and gets involved or retreats and hides whilst the, the youngsters <laughs> go and, and party downtown. But, you know, everywhere people can wear jeans for the week rather than their usual dress code. Or You're going to see me in my goofy cosplay outfit with my cowboy hat on and my shirt for the shows next week because it's the only time of the year I can get out of the tie and, and wear some jeans in here. But uh, it's, it's, it's lighten up, have fun, that's all. And, you know, Corey, uh, how many cities actually put on a, a citywide week of Giving away breakfast, yeah, you know, it is the ultimate hospitality event. It, it's unique. Like you don't see too many places where the whole city. You'll see, okay, ours is a festival goes down here or this event yeah, there. That's right. Aside from perhaps in New well, Orleans for Mardi Gras group, and yeah. the whole French Quarter goes mm-hmm. bananas, uh, Calgary's got like a whole citywide. Again, it is tiresome for some of us who've seen forty or more of them, but uh, it, it's just something again to enjoy and celebrate. And a lot of cities, it's the envy of a lot of cities. Even if we do have a mayor who also kind of said we should be moving beyond this, but uh, well, maybe well, we should be moving beyond the mayor. Uh, you don't hear any disagreement from me. All right, we'll cap off with something very rare. This is a you know speaking of old Western statements, as rare as hen's teeth. Sounds like an apology from the the mother corps. 
the state broadcaster, this is just breaking news, just happened about an hour ago. You remember back in January, they published a very controversial story alleging that uh, uh, Daniel Smith, the uh, premier, was interfering with the Coots border trials by sending uh, uh, emails to, to crowns, uh, basically urging them to, to discontinue. To the crown prosecutors. Yeah, yeah. to the crown prosecutors. Mm -hmm. Well, CBC stood by the story, and uh, Premier Smith got up and said it wasn't true and uh, uh, demanded an apology or she would take legal action. Uh, the ethics commissioner uh, also did a report and said these emails couldn't be found. Uh, a search of all the uh, government emails at the time couldn't turn up anything. Well, the CBC decided to go re-interview their sources, who now say, well, they can't really... I can't really remember where the emails came from and whether it was the premier's office or not. And they say they didn't apologize, though. I'm sure they had a lawyer write this apology. It's quite lengthy. Uh, they say they regret it. So this is a story that could have cost Premier Smith her job. And we were talking at the time that we thought the timing was strange. Uh, you know, at the, just about was, you know, when we were going <clears throat> to start an election in a month or so. Uh, that it was maybe done deliberately, but you know, it, it was it was a vicious attack that turned to be turned out to be untrue, and the CBC regrets it. Well, they could express regret. It's no when we talk about timing. I mean, timings are rarely real coincidences that happen in the political and media mm -hmm. world. And I think the fact that CBC got to the point where they will bend enough to express regret. It's no coincidence that, of course, this is after the general election has finished, not uh, during or before it. I mean, yeah, you think they could have checked with their sources, you know, when the controversy first erupted uh, several months ago, but no. Well, you know, uh, Smith still has the option. I doubt that she'll pursue it, but she still has the option to sue them anyway. By putting out a, a regret, uh, they at least diminish the damages. Uh, but uh, no, it, it has every, we can't get inside their heads, unfortunately, but it has every appearance of being an underhanded, deceitful maneuver on their part. A smear job. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, I, to be, you know, for the other side of it, Premier Smith didn't do herself any favors. Sitting down, having a conversation with uh, Mr. Pawlowski, who was at that time under charges. It's, it's, not, it's an indiscretion on the part of a premier that shouldn't have happened. I think nobody's more well aware of that than Premier Smith now. Uh, but it, it fed this. Uh, but this was one more thing on top of that that I'm sure cast a lot of doubt and mistrust into the voters uh, prior to election day. It didn't cost her the election, but well, we've had some seven vote, 30 vote differences. It might have cost some seats. And there were, there were calls for her to resign. Because it is a serious, serious allegation that she's trying to interfere with the courts of justice. Well, I heard it reported today that the RCMP is investigating it now. That was just on the news today as well. They're investigating to see if there will be any criminal uh, uh, sanction over this. I, I very much doubt it. I mean, I would think that the RCMP is only going to respond because the NDP is screaming and demanding. We'll look into it. And eventually they'll say, no, we didn't find anything. But that makes the news headlines again. Yep. Yeah. How long is their investigation into the kamikaze candidate lasted uh, bring that up. a few decades it's now? It's still going on. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I almost think for those who really do have an agenda who don't like the conservatives, the only thing worse than actually finishing an investigation, even convicting one of them, is leaving it hanging like that for years. You, then you can just keep 
reopening that wound of mistrust all the time, and there's never never a closure. Yeah, I would think if the ethics minister didn't, uh, uh, and what we're talking about here is a, is a conversation between Smith and Tyler Shandro, the, yeah, the, yeah. the justice minister, and uh, uh, if the ethics commissioner didn't recommend a, a police review of it, then I don't think it's going anywhere. No, and uh, well, Mr. Chandra was now out of, uh, ironically, and he caught a lot of flack during his time, and he was a controversial minister, but it seemed he did the right thing. I mean, yeah. he, he stood his ground as a minister. The, the parallels between that and what happened with Trudeau and SNC were hard to miss. You know, the, 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 the minister in charge was saying, look, I, this isn't an appropriate conversation. I can't act on these uh, things on your direction, please stop asking. It's just yeah. that uh, Smith didn't persist like Trudeau. Yeah. As long as we're talking about Tyler Chandra, we can use him as a case uh, of where if you are appointed a minister, then you are appointed to take the heat on a certain file and do the unpleasant things while allowing the premier to not be personally account responsible for those things. Uh, so Chandra was appointed by Jason Kenney, and uh, there was a there was an issue, and there always is an issue about what healthcare costs and what doctors charge and what nurses earn. And whoever gets that file, and right now it's Adriana Lagrange, so welcome to the uh, you know, welcome to the happy place. Uh, you're going to find yourself making decisions for which people are going to throw rocks at you. Whether Mr. Chandru always put it gently, that's a matter of opinion. Um, I know him slightly. He seems a pretty decent guy to me, but, uh, you know, anybody who gets the the job of a minister in a high-profile position like health or education, uh, there's a couple of others, is going to find themselves sometimes out there standing on the rock while the waters are swirling around them and they're getting wet as hell. So it's part of the job, and if you do it well, you get rewarded ultimately by another appointment. You get moved out of the hotspot for a while. But I don't see how... Um, I don't really see how Chandro could have done other than what he did when he was on that file. And he certainly has paid a price in personal reputation for it. He will, will not leave him alone. So anyway, God bless him for trying. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, whenever you dig with this story, you found, well, again, it seems like perhaps Premier Smith didn't yeah. understand that, that delineation she should have between this, but... Well, he did. Mr. Shandro certainly he did. He certainly did. And he spoke up and... and uh, yeah, I'll bet you she's lost uh, Palowski's number by now. <laughs> I should hope so. Uh, <laughs> he's too busy talking to the European Parliament. Well, that's right, he did. Uh, he and his son addressed the European Parliament yesterday. It's going to be a good time to reject his passport. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get some contacts over that. I've never pretended to be a fan of Korea. Well, you've already you once called for the withdrawal of Mr. Trudeau's passport. So have you got like a list of people who shouldn't be allowed out of their hometowns or something? Yeah, once they've gone, I'm sorry. That's it. They're yours now. Uh, enjoy. And, and, uh, have... You should warn the people of Latvia and Lithuania that Trudeau's coming. 
So batting down the hatches. Well, that's another one, because there's a lot of actually disgruntled Canadian soldiers in Latvia right now. Uh-huh. And I would have thought Prime Minister Trudeau would be avoiding that place for everything he's worth. I mean, he loves showering money on Ukraine when he goes over there to visit, but he doesn't have to deal with uh, soldiers in Latvia who don't even have helmets. Uh, but you're not going to see a soldier in Latvia who had to go to the hardware store to buy a proper helmet. They're not going to get anywhere near Trudeau. It'll just be a couple of smiling, happy soldiers and uh, in their photo ops. Uh, he'll show his camouflage socks off and yeah. he'll uh, fly back to torment us for the rest of the summer. That's right. Unfortunately, you're yeah. probably right. Another yeah. uh, another thing to look forward to, the Stampede, yeah. the annual visit from Trudeau. Yes. Well, that's actually, that would be the meeting to be the fly on the wall at between uh, Smith and Trudeau. Mm-hmm. I mean, she sounded very determined on the radio this morning. Yep. Was it radio or was yeah, it? It was a press conference. It was a press conference, yeah. Well, I, I guess I heard it on the radio. But, uh, they stopped. Uh, they stopped putting Trudeau out in front of Stampede crowds years ago, uh, because he just got nothing but booed. Yeah. Uh, so sneak him in for those quick events. Yeah, they'll they'll sneak him up to George Shahal's yeah. pancake breakfast. Sneak him down to the McDougall Center for a meeting with Smith. Sneak him to the airport, and that'll be it. Yeah. White hat in his hand. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a collection. Oh, well, that's enough out of us grumpy curmudgeons Old men. For, Old men. Um, for this yeah. week. Yes, and uh, well, I'm sure there'll be a whole raft more. I guess I'm going to take a while to live that one down. But, uh, <laughs> that's all right. That's uh, right. And, uh, yes, thank you very much for uh, joining us and sharing the that uh, curmudgeonly input this week. Uh, there was lots to cover. It was fun. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, well... Keep an eye on things. Tune in next week, and we'll have a whole new raft of things to grape and grumble about. So uh, this was the pipeline, and we'll see you then. The current Lethbridge feed grain prices are as follows. Cash barley's at $4.15, feed wheat's at $4.05, and corn's down $5 at $3.85 per metric ton. In the milling wheat markets, September Minneapolis future jumped $0.42 cents at $8.51, with local hard red spring bids for July movement at $10.65 per bushel. In the oil seeds, Nearby canola futures gained $10.50 at $749.90 per metric ton, with delivered values for July movement at $17.23 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are trading at $0.33 cents a pound, and yellow peas remain at $11.25 per bushel. In the cattle markets, August live cattle lost $0.80 cents at $176.03 per 100 weight. For more information on grain marketing, Call me at 403-394-1711. I'm Sean Smith of Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.